Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula. We're going to do what we do every weekend, and that is talk about the pieces that Paul wrote for his website, Common Sense with Paul Jacob, which is at thisiscommonsense.org. I was looking at this week's uh, quotations, writings and sayings by people other than me, and there were several good ones. And uh, I think the uh, the best one was the Turkish proverb, uh, which you mentioned to me during the during the week. Uh, I had a laugh then and, and again now. No matter how far down the wrong road you've gone, turn back. Is that good advice or what? It fit nicely with Friday's piece, which was the long road back. And that's why I thought I'd put it up on Friday. But it also it has an interesting problem for people in our time is that there's this idea that you can't turn the clock back. That's the major metaphor for half of the political landscape is we can't turn the clock back, which means what? Uh, I mean, it means no matter how bad the road may be, you can't go back. This is sort of the idea. Right. And I think that I prefer the Turkish proverb. Yes, I do too. I do too. Well, and the long road back was about San Francisco and the fact that Using direct democracy, recall once again, they've recalled three school board members in San Francisco for crazy, you know, critical race theory type uh, uh, teachings in the schools and, uh, uh, and, and basically not, not teaching like arithmetic and, and uh, English and stuff like that. And, uh, and now they've thrown out the uh, district attorney who you know, seemed to think that crime wasn't a problem. And I I was listening uh, uh, in the car. It's my wife's fault. Uh, She's the one who tunes the station to uh, the the communist radio, the public, national public radio. But somebody on there was saying something about, you know, I hope this doesn't make Democrats, you know, get away from criminal justice reform. And I just about exploded out of my car. Um, I thought, you know, the country is so ready for criminal justice reform in just about every facet of it you can think of, has been ready across the board. You sit with a room full of Democrats, they're all for criminal justice reform. You sit with a room full of Republicans, they're all for criminal justice reform. They agree on almost all those issues. Instead of criminal justice reform, we've had this stupid debate between cops are always right and hoodlums are always right. And, and, you know, frankly, neither of those positions is true. Now, the hoodlums are always right is is probably the most silly. But but, you know, police are not always right. And and the public is there. This is not something where society is divided, except by politicians who want us to be divided. And uh, and I think it proves it when you see the most liberal city in the country, arguably throwing out people who had the audacity to implement implement some of these crazy liberal policies. Now, we call them liberal for what reason? Uh, To to be mistaken. (laughs) (laughs) Progressive, maybe, although, of course, they're not they're not any part of progress. Yeah, that's the thing is that I think it's because socialists believe in cosmic justice 
and people who are criminals have been badly served by nature or family or community or whatever. Therefore, it would be wrong to prosecute. I mean, that seems to be the whole of it, as far as I can tell. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they have actual rationales. But to me, it just seems like squeamishness. They actually have a philosophy that prejudges crime. What's happening is prejudging everything as if as if we know before we ever hear any of the details. And, and frankly, it began with Ferguson and Michael Brown. And and uh, I remember writing a column uh, before that issue really broke fully uh, for town hall at that time. And uh, and one of the things that mystified me is how quickly everybody jumped to one side or the other without any real evidence in. But of course, um, one of the things that uh, Ferguson pointed up was the problem with so many jurisdictions that are they're living from a revenue standpoint on ticky tacky stuff like you don't have a you know you didn't have the right strip on your on your license plate or what have you, and then someone's and you know they're trying to get to their work and they're trying to make ends meet and all of a sudden they've got a ticket and they, they miss some court appearance and they owe $500. And, and we do want a criminal justice system that avoids draconian punishments that cause people to like fall down the economic ladder. We don't want that. At the same time, you know, nobody's going to go, well, He's killed seven people and he just got arrested for you know rape and murder. But what the heck? Bail's a terrible thing. So let's let him out. I mean, you know, where are the people who think that way? Well, they seem to be DAs in San Francisco or used to be. Um, they're 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 ideologues way out on some limb, but these are not sensible, rational policies for anybody else you know the other 99 percent and uh and it's but we see this on the left so to speak there was another uh commentary this week uh uh about the foundation for individual rights in education which has changed its name to the foundation for individual rights and expression and uh, we've had many times said America's gift to the world is freedom of speech. And, uh, and we believe in it here more than anywhere. We ought to keep pushing it. And, uh, and this was fire the ACLU was the, the name of the piece. The ACLU, whether you agreed or disagreed, you had to respect years ago their consistency, their principle, at least the way they stated the principles, they lived up to them, even when it was tough. Everybody thinks of the Skokie, the, the Klan wants to march, or neo-Nazis want to march through Skokie. Skokie is a heavily Jewish suburb of Chicago. Uh, my brother lived there for many years. Uh, it's a nice suburb. And, um, and they wanted to march through there. And you can imagine the Jewish folks there weren't, didn't really think that was such a great idea. I didn't think it was a great idea either. The ACLU didn't think it was a great idea, but they thought they had a constitutional right to march. If you can decide who has rights and who doesn't by what their political views are, well, then you're like every repressive regime in the entire world throughout history. That's, that's nothing. And the ACLU stood up and defended 
the neo-Nazis. And uh, they're right, not them. Uh, but and and that was a beautiful thing. And it 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 focused attention on freedom of speech and on them. And there wasn't an explosion of support for them. There was an explosion of what obnoxious people. Yes, I guess maybe they have a right to march, but gosh, are they obnoxious? So it all worked out. But over time, and I think it was after the ACLU got, I believe it was a hundred million dollar gift uh, years ago, they just seemed to become a partisan, just like so many groups on the right or left, they're, they're, they're Democrat party groups, they're Republican party groups. They really are more aligned with doing what the, what the political party wants than their own issue. Um, and the ACLU has uh, no longer will defend people's rights if they don't, if they're not liberal for the most part. And it's, it's sad. It's really sad. But it's exciting that the Foundation for Individual, blah, 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 Individual Rights and Expression is there. And I like the change, uh, realizing that, you know, it was a problem at one point that our colleges and universities were these little bastions of you don't get to say what you want to say, of no free speech. But now that we've expanded that to the whole country, uh, we might as well defend freedom of speech in the whole country. Well, you covered two out of five pieces of the week, just like that, right? Yes, just like that. There's one on school choice, uh, rescued in, uh, in Tennessee, where the Tennessee Supreme Court uh, upheld the Tennessee Education Sh Savings, <laughs> I can't talk, Savings Account Pilot Program. And uh, uh, we had uh, another one on, uh, on socialism uh, and socialism with show and uh, schmocialism. Is that how you say that, Tim? Yeah, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's a riff on a Yiddish put down, right? Yes, yes. You would like to, to ridicule you, someone would say Paul Schmall. And if they did, boy, they'd regret it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, this was all about a, a uh, book basically defending socialism as having nothing to do with all the problems in Venezuela. And, uh, and of course, you know, different forms of government, they're never quite perfectly implemented. So you can always say, well, it wasn't the form of government. You know, uh, Marxism's always the state's going to wither away and it's never quite withered away, but it was just in the implementation. They just missed a little step. You know, maybe maybe they misread the diagram on the directions. I don't know. But um, but it's it's pretty silly to pretend that the things that happen again and again uh, don't happen when it comes to socialism. And what you see again and again is, you know, the nationalization of, of uh, industries and a few people running everything. And that doesn't, doesn't work very well. Those few people don't seem to have the wisdom that you would think they would. Now, the point you make here at the end is that Newman, the person who wrote this uh, book, believed it's not because of socialism that Venezuela became a complete hellhole, uh, which is, I guess, a nicer way of saying it than Trump did. And uh, <laughs> it was bad management. 
And that's the point you were just making is that it's this tendency among leftists to exonerate socialism, the system, and blame it on, you know, you know, contingent things, you know, bad management, right. not the right leaders, not the right bureaucrats, not the right experts. Uh, but, but your point here is that uh, bad, bad management is what socialism is because it can't help but be. And, and that's a basic point. In fact, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, thoughts for the week or the, for the day this week was about socialism. Uh, F.A. Hayek. I, that was a, a great quote. You got and, it in front of you? Uh, I don't have it in front of me. I uh, have it in front of me. I'm all right. I'm pulling rank here. Okay, go ahead. He says, I don't know when he said it. He's no longer with us. I guess this was 1949. Uh, if my eyesight uh, didn't fail me. This is not a dispute about whether planning is to be done or not. And we hear so many of the plans of the politicians. Oh, don't you don't want to plan? But F.A. Hayek says this is not a dispute about whether planning is to be done or not. It is a dispute as to whether planning is to be done centrally by one authority for the whole economic system or is to be divided among many individuals. And what what isn't said there is the stark difference because many individuals could be 15, 20, 100, 1,000. But in the United States of America, it's 330 million. Um, in in the, the economy, the different communication, the votes people have with their dollars are, are tremendous. And, and so, when, when those dollars are directing the economy, uh, you got an awful lot of input. Uh, when, you know, when the, the central committee of the Communist Party or just the, the uh, you know, the, the Economic Growth Council of Western Kentucky is making those decisions, it's a few people with their own motivations when it's the marketplace saying, hey, we're making money hand over fist, maybe we ought to open another store. That's people making decisions, regular everyday people of all different walks of life with a way to, to express themselves economically. Yes, I'd like one of those. Here's my money. And it gives dispersed feedback. So there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot going for dispersing all the... Uh, not only all those desires and that money and those demand schedules, as they say in economics, but it's also responsibility too. And so with all that responsibility dispersed, the system is just more stable. Uh, I think there's a lot of evidence for this. The best evidence in modern, in the recent times is uh, baby formula. Uh, yeah. It turns out that the federal government has been heavily subsidizing and regulating the industry bringing it down to three manufacturers of baby formula in America. And they basically shut down one and the whole system went into jeopardy. And, and, that's put, and, that, and not allowing, uh, you know, stopping imports from other countries and so on. Well, we might have a lot of problems if we, if we go around doing stuff like that, it's yeah. really, it's completely ridiculous. We, we find out, our economy is uh, a lot more regulated than than is always noticeable. Now, one of my favorite titles of the week was "The War Against Cash Carriers" because I'm obsessed with it with the war against cash. Uh, 
and uh, that that was actually kind of a good story and kind of a bad story. It was kind of an odd story. What happened there? <laughs> well, Michigan decided to uh, that they they had passed some good things there, uh, but they they are now having you know uh, second thoughts. I guess maybe we want to steal money after all. Um, the governor signed legislation that was basically saying that they uh, that that basically you couldn't carry a traveler had to be uh, toting in excess of fifty thousand dollars before uh, uh, officials at the, the airport would be justified in confiscating cash on mere suspicion. Now it seems to me that that's outrageous. I mean, if if you have suspicion, great. But unless you have actual probable cause that a crime was committed, I don't care if someone's carrying $100,000 in a briefcase. You might want to figure out who that is. You might want to follow them and run some kind of check because you think that there's a crime going on. All those things are legal for law enforcement to do. Unfortunately, it's legal for them to steal the money, and that needs to stop. And what happened is that the governor... Uh, signed into law, uh, which means the Republican legislature passed it. Nice bipartisan, hey, uh, we can go after people after all without any crime being committed, knocked it down to $20,000. And and of course, you know, I don't know if people have ever carried cash around. That's a, a good bit of cash, but there might be causes, legitimate causes for people carrying around that much cash, especially $20,000. Um, and and to to suggest that somehow by law we know that if you're carrying twenty one thousand dollars it's okay to to snatch it and then let you prove you're innocent that's I mean it's outrageous but that's that's where I mean it's it's interesting if you ever look at polling on on this sort of issue the public is off the charts against the any type of punishment without conviction of a crime because they basically believe in the, you know, innocent, don't proven guilty stuff. And our elected officials aren't so sure. We might want to, we might want to put people guilty before we prove anything. Maybe if we just don't like the way they look and, and this is, it's sad. And, you know, I have uh, talked with a number of people, you know, in the last several years, just normal people, because, you know, of course, my circuit of friends isn't normal people at all. Uh, I mean, they read, for instance, uh, but uh, but they are weird. They are very weird. <laughs> but but I haven't found one person who thought that this was an OK policy. Yeah. Except for the lawyers. Well, you know, I mean, I, the, well, the, what, did, what did Shakespeare say about <laughs> the lawyers? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything. No call to violence here. Uh, but of course, lawyers and politicians, that's sort of a, that's sort of almost the same class of people. Yes. They're yes. very, very close. Almost. I like lawyers better, I have to say, but. Well, they'll take your, they'll take, your, they'll take your money to do a specific job and politicians will do a, take your money to do. Eh, take your money. Just yeah. to take your money. <laughs> No, I think the um, the other news that was last week, not this week, uh, that I thought was interesting was once again, Joe Biden saying that we have a commitment to defend Taiwan 
and uh, and and once again, then walking that back and so on. But it's it's uh, as I've said, we have a piece that I wrote uh, weeks ago called "It's Complicated." Um, I'm for Taiwanese independence. They are independent, uh, but I think we also want to be very careful about not diplomatically or otherwise trying to trying to play a bunch of games and actually be strong enough that China will not, and that's just not, not just we, Taiwan, the US, Japan, other people, be strong enough that they don't feel comfortable attacking and trying to take it over. And, and it's, it's so much different than Ukraine because of course Ukraine, we act like we've been, you know, the world's saviors because of our, sanctions and those those have hit Russia I'm sure hard in, in a lot of different ways but that's not really you don't win wars with sanctions and and I, I bring this up because I think that the US has promised to defend a lot of people including Taiwan even with all the gobbledygook and diplomacy almost everyone believes yes there has been a commitment made in the different agreements and so on. But if we're going to make those commitments, we have to live up to them. And it's not just that the world seems to be at the at the edge of World War Three. It's also that we live in a country that, you know, where there was there's been a lot of talk about the the, you know, attack the dagger, as as Biden said, uh, against the throat of democracy with what happened on January 6th. Well, what happened on January 6th is a big problem. Um, and it's a terrible thing to see people get to that many people, uh, even though it was a tiny minority of the overall crowd, but people get to that point. It's not shocking. It's sad, but it's not shocking. Um, and it's angering that, that people don't use, you know, the First Amendment and other things before they like or decide they're going to do something with brute force. But, um, but we have, we have, such a scary time. And, and sometimes I just think I'm getting old and crotchety and, you know, don't, don't have as much optimism as maybe I once did, but I'm still a pathological optimist. I just see very ugly trends. We have spent money like insane people for no, I mean, through this pandemic for reasons that don't seem to be very clear. Um, we have like people are getting poor with inflation. Uh, we don't want to. We don't want to produce energy anymore. We have a grid that isn't really very stable. We may have blackouts. We are becoming attitudinally and in reality a third world, whatever whole country, um, and I don't like that. I don't want to go there. I don't think that makes sense. And, and I don't think the the public likes that either. And that's, I mean, all of this is we are in extremely dangerous times. And I think people should, you know, should give that an extra thought. What are you going to do in what could be extremely difficult times ahead? Well, that's a good uh, conclusion for the week. A question for the audience. Yep. What you gonna do? <laughs> What's the next line, though? <laughs> <laughs> when they come for you. 
<laughs> yeah, and uh, I, that's that's part of the deal. Uh, to me, the, the the weird moment with Biden was when he talked about Ukraine and said that we're there were going to be food shortages in America. Now, that's never happened in a recent war in our memory. No, there were no for- food shortages during Vietnam, which is our biggest war after okay. after uh, after know. World War II, uh, even bigger than Korea, wasn't it? Maybe it wasn't. Maybe Korea. Four people were killed in in Vietnam. Korea. Oh, well, arguably, uh, short much shorter time in Korea. Yeah. Oh, so sure, sure. That's what I was arguing. But but there were no food shortages in America. But almost immediately after he said that, there became the shortage of the baby formula we mentioned earlier, and that had nothing to do with Ukraine. No. And the inflation has nothing to do with Ukraine. Exactly. Exactly. No, that's so, all lies. So, so what's that's. What does that mean? Is he coming for us? Is there are they setting something up? That's the paranoid thought that a lot of people have is that he said there are going to be food shortages because of Ukraine. And then there were starts to be food shortages and inflation and making it hard to buy food. And it has nothing to do with Ukraine and everybody knows it. And now what is the plan? Is there a secret plan? That's what I mean. There's a, I, Every day I get something on Facebook where people are insisting there's a secret plan to take down modern civilization and set up the Great Reset. Every day I see that. Yeah, but the, here's the thing: um, it shouldn't be that easy to take down civilization. And it seems like the people who are constantly holding themselves up as the people who guard our democracy and our civilization ought to be worried about some of these things. Ought to be worried about electromagnetic pulse. You know, ought to be worried about the grid. When someone says, oh, yeah, this summer there's going to be blackouts or brownouts or something, it's like going, hey, well, there have to be. Couldn't we build more capacity? Do we need to refit something? What? I, I know none of this stuff. I, I read the newspaper. I don't, you know, I'm not a mechanically inclined person, but I know a lot of people who are. And we still have a lot of ingenuity, a lot of know-how, a lot of people who are engineers and so on. I don't think society has to just crumble to nothingness. And I think we want people in public office who also don't think society has to crumble to nothingness. Yeah, of course, it's not nothing they want. It's less of us. <laughs> <laughs> they want fewer of us because I think that they, I mean, we've talked about this many times. And maybe I've always been a little paranoid about the uh, anti-natalism, the anti, you know, no, not having babies. Population right. is our biggest worry. And now our biggest worry is demographic collapse in the West. And uh, it, Russia, it's, not, it, it's not getting the same screams. And I mean, when we were kids, especially was when they went berserk oh, yeah. on all this overpopulation garbage. And it was all garbage. And they justified even the Chinese one child policy where you just murder more than, you know, the second and third and fourth. And, you know, this is the whole world has had a a sickening dangerous, vicious policy about human life for decades. And this is, you can be on any side in abortion and still recognize that this is a, a sickening side. Uh, and I'm I personally not looking for the government to do a lot of policing of abortion to wipe that out, because I, I don't know how effective they can be. I'm convinced that we as people, 
if we speak about life and have respect for life, meaning we're pro-life and not pro-abortion, that we see abortion as a terrible thing, um, it'll change over time. And I think that's probably a better way. But but that that kind of disdain for even any discussion of abortion, and I think abortion being there always as something that's okay, is is it's like a it's like a Nazi relic. It's like a um, you know that that we we turned against almost all of the of those kind of Hitler esque views of society except maybe that one a little bit that if if a kid's not wanted if a kid's you know got birth defects if a kid's you know if uh, if we can only have one and we we wanted a boy not a girl you know and that's you know that's not the world we want to live in and and all of that seems to be part of this the government should decide population and it turns out that's the last person i say it turns out i think smart people always knew that's the last people you want in charge of population and and look at what china's done now they're now have three kids they'll pay they're they're giving financial incentives to have kids they can't they can't seem to get their their uh, birth rate up. The U.S. birth rate isn't high enough to sustain the population if we didn't have so much immigration, and um, and and that's a good thing. Japan, you know, Musk we wrote about just recently saying that Japan's not going to be here any longer if they don't, you know, if people don't replace the uh, the population through the birth rate, then over time, you know, you get to zero. And it will be. And if they just did immigration, the culture of Japan would cease to exist. So right. what we think of as the Japanese is actually tied to normal procreation. And uh, and it's interesting how in America it's bad. You can't you're not allowed to white people aren't allowed to do, say that kind of stuff about white people. But there isn't a prohibition against talking about Japanese people. It's just people don't talk about it. That's the thing that's what's interesting is that there is this almost worldwide phenomenon that people don't talk about very much. It just seems very odd. Yes, it is very odd. And it, it's also interesting to me that that you think about Japan and you think about the Japanese and you think about America. And I think you, you know, you, you could you can think about what your picture of an American is. But Ameri- an American has always been something different than being Japanese or being, you know, Chinese and and uh, or being English, English, you're you know, I think people would more see a white guy who happens to be Anglo-Saxon who's who's living in England, whereas in the U.S. there's always been much more of a of a mix. And uh, and I think I think that's been a key part of, you know, kind of a key building block, which is very helpful to us at this point and, and throughout history, actually. Yeah, well, I think that's pretty obvious, partly because freedom was in, a, was in at the beginning, as it were. And, yes. that's, and that's something that almost no other place, that no other state can say. But also, we had another idea at the beginning, which is pretty much all gone now. And that was federalism. I mean, Jefferson believed that there were 13 nations, is that he believed that those states that formed the original union, they were, we didn't have one nation. He, he thought there were 13. And he was very aware of, I mean, the differences between a Marylander and a uh, Virginian and a Massachusetts person and somebody in Vermont 
was huge. Back then it was really strong, not as strong anymore, but there's still quite a lot of uh, regional differences. I, I can detect it. No, there, there are. It's, it's, uh, I, I think that uh, when you think of federalism, like, like I always uh, learned that, that Switzerland, you know, borrowed our federalistic system, our, our, you know, they have cantons or states and they, and so many decisions are boiled down and made at the local level and then at the state level and then at the national level. And, and I think that, you know, just from a, from a pragmatic, logical point of view, that makes a lot of sense. And, and then, of course, the U.S. borrowed from Switzerland the initiative of a referendum, which only about the half, half the states have and, and kind of came from west to east. But that, that happened later. But Switzerland has kept its federalism and the U.S. has not. And I think the big difference is the U.S. has become a world power with centralized government that has to be centralized so it can have all these secrets that it keeps and run a worldwide military and so on. And you just that's not going to get checked at the local and state level. And and the crazy thing now is, you know, bathroom policies at schools for <laughs> transgender or something. You know, you got the president of the United States speaking about it as if that's something he should be thinking about. Um, and 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 we have a kind of a crazy system. And you notice, you know, with them not having that sort of of uh, welfare, warfare state at the national level, they've had no problem really keeping their federalism, federalistic system. Good point. Well, anyway, uh, that was for the first week of June, 2022. It's summer. Well, maybe where you're at, it's summer. Here, this has been, I live in North Pacific Northwest, and this has been the wettest spring I have ever seen in my whole life. I've, I've lived here most of my life. Well, that must be pretty wet because you guys have we wet have, all the we, time. We get 100 inches a year. We have 100 inches by this time now. Wow. Wow. That will, sounds dangerous. Well, Mudslides we and stuff like that or something. Yeah, that could have be, could be. But though, you know, we're coming to summer and I'm hoping that there's going to be a let up, but I have not seen the let up yet. We'll have one nice day and then we'll have four days of rain. One, one, you know, cloudy, no rain day, five days of rain. Yesterday, it was a downpour many times per day. We don't get downpours a lot. This, it was just, just coming down like you, like I haven't, I mean, when people talk about rain, many places in the United States gets really bad rainstorms, you know, like go to Louisiana or anywhere in the Midwest, it just comes down and it comes down in sheets. Well, it wasn't sheets yesterday, but it was pretty strong. And uh, I don't know, it just seems very weird. I hope, I hope that we get summer at some point, you know, summery weather and hope the spring becomes less wet. But you're having normal weather, right? Normal, pretty normal. Yeah, okay. I think. And you're back in you're back in your state. You're no longer in Michigan. So I'm not in Michigan. I will return though. Will you? Yes. Okay. Yes, that that uh, petition drive didn't turn in for 2022. It we're continuing to go for a few more weeks and we'll have enough and we'll turn in for 2024. So secure my vote, uh voter ID, getting rid of private money deciding what election processes are going to be run by public election branches. Uh, uh, that initiative will be either uh, done by the legislature or go on the ballot in 2024. 
Okay, that's the update we needed. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Okay, bye. Thank you.